Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. Kimberly, we got a big week coming up, abortion and guns. Mm-hmm. We're starting off with abortion on Monday. Kick us off. Sure. So the court, as you said, will start off with these fast-tracked arguments over Texas's six-week abortion ban. This is the ban that can be enforced not by government officials, but instead by private citizens. The justices on Monday will hear two cases. First, the abortion provider's challenge to the law, and second, the Biden administration's lawsuit seeking to strike it down. Now, both cases present slightly different questions, but they both boil down to who, if anyone, can be sued so that a court can actually weigh in on the constitutionality of the law. Now, the abortion providers have tried to sue a number of people, uh, most notably the clerks of the Texas state courts and those judges, uh, who they say are integral to enforcing the law. Without them, the providers say lawsuits chilling the right to an abortion could never be filed and providers would resume providing abortions as the state of play was before SB 8 went into effect. The Biden administration points in part to the supremacy clause and says that the federal government itself can step in to sue states when they try to undermine federal constitutional law. Now, for its part, Texas argues that the way to get judicial review is through the state courts. That is, by waiting until someone sues an abortion provider and allowing the state courts to work their magic. Now, there is going to be a lot of talk during the arguments about Ex parte Young. You remember this, Jordan, the 1908 case allowing suits against executive officers um, in order to vindicate constitutional rights. And in particular, whether that's the case for judicial officers as well. And I suspect there's not going to be a lot of talk about abortion itself because the merits of SB8 really aren't on the table in these arguments. Indeed, the abortion providers, supported by gun rights advocates, say abortion is just the starting place and that if this law is upheld, it will serve as a model for states to limit constitutional rights that they disagree with, things like the Second Amendment, same-sex marriage, or even criticizing public officials. So Kimberly, on Tuesday, we're actually going to argue two other cases before we get to the gun case on Wednesday. It'll be sort of a in-between day for general court watchers, but let's tell the real hardcore SCOTUS nerds out there what's going to be happening on Tuesday. Right. This is one of those days I suspect people will not be tuning in to the live stream, um, but that's not because these cases aren't critically important. It's just because, you know, they're not guns and abortion. So first up is Houston Community College System versus Wilson. Oh, I said Houston, not Houston. Yay! Uh, this is a First Amendment case that arises out of a dispute between, well, you can guess, the Houston Community College System Board and one of its former trustees, David Wilson. Now, during his tenure, he was very critical of the board and of the other trustees. So just to give you kind of an idea of some of the things that he did, he arranged robocalls and did a radio interview about the board's decision to fund a campus overseas. He sued the board after they excluded him from one of their executive meetings, and he hired a private investigator to ensure that one of the trustees actually lived in the district that she represented. So uh, super annoying. Um, In response, the board censured Wilson and ordered him to stop, quote, all inappropriate behavior, unquote. 
It also limited his ability to act as a trustee by limiting what he can be reimbursed for and also prohibiting him from seeking a spot on the board ever again. So Wilson, Gunnar Wilson, and he sued, saying that the censure was punitive and therefore violates his free speech rights. Now, the board counters that a censure isn't punitive, it's just more speech, something that's actually encouraged by the First Amendment. And this case is probably going to come down to how the court sees this particular censure, whether it is punitive or not. Still, it could have implications for local boards across the country. Now, that's the interesting case of the day. Tell us about the second case. Then the second case, Badgerow against Walters. Uh, the question here is this. Do federal courts have subject matter jurisdiction to review or vacate arbitration awards when the only basis for jurisdiction is that the underlying dispute involved a federal question? There's a circuit split that the court can clean up here. And just for you real arbitrationers out there, we're talking specifically about sections 9 and 10 of the Federal Arbitration Act. The underlying case comes from Louisiana, where we have Denise Badgerow worked as a financial advisor. She was fired after complaining about harassment as well as securities violations. She lost at arbitration, then she tried to vacate the award in state court. Defendants removed to federal court to try and confirm the award. The question Badgerow is challenging on appeal is whether the federal court has jurisdiction the Chamber of Commerce says yes, and Kimberly will have to see if the Supreme Court agrees with that. And after they wake up from their nap on Tuesday, they'll come back to work on Wednesday and hear arguments in the New York gun case. Tell us about that one. That's right. They're going to come back guns blazing, which I said because it's a guns case. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association against Bruin. The question here is whether New York's denial of the challenger's applications for concealed carry licenses for self-defense violates the Second Amendment. Remember that about a decade ago, the Supreme Court identified in the Second Amendment the right to have a gun at home for self-defense. And the big question since then, which the court has been ducking on and off for years is whether and how that right might apply outside the home. And so now in this case, we might finally have an answer to that question, and we'll have to see what happens there at the argument. And Kimberly, of course, for our deep dive looking back on the sitting, we're going to be looking at this gun case in much more depth, talking to a bunch of people, what's at stake here. So we'll have to see what the court does here at the argument. Well, sounds good, Jordan. And for all of you listeners, you can follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw.com. My name is David Schultz, and I'm here to announce On the Merits, a new podcast from Bloomberg Law that brings you everything you need to know about the biggest legal stories of the week, coupled with smart interviews and analysis on a variety of topics, such as the incoming Biden administration's judicial priorities. So I think diversity is, is kind of the watchword here. We'll also keep our eyes on the Supreme Court. Now everyone is on Breyer watch. We're all watching to see when or if Justice Breyer is going to step down. You'll hear voices and perspectives from across the legal industry, including reporters and editors, attorneys, legal scholars, general counsel. But lest you think this podcast is all just news you can use, from time to time, we stumble on a court docket or legal opinion that, for whatever reason, just piques our interest. And he started this opinion, 224th of it, 
citing the Passchendaele battle. It's one of the largest battles of World War I. Um, that seems like a strange way to start off an opinion on corporate law. You can download On the Merits wherever you get your podcasts.